0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode three of As You Eight. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us today. And I actually have Clint Wilson, a worship pastor at Inner Permittal Road, joining me today. So, hey, Clint, could you tell us about what you do?
1: Hey, uh, my name's Clint Wilson. I'm a worship pastor and college pastor at Permittal Road Baptist Church, which means, as worship pastor, that I am sort of in charge of overseeing the, the worship services and the music that we sing and the The liturgy, order of service, um, those aspects of our worship service. I've been doing that for about eight years, six or eight years now, Mm -hmm. on on staff for six years. Uh, I've been playing music all my life, and uh, music has always been a part of of me and uh, what I do. And it's just been a real joy and a a special sense of fulfillment, I guess, um, and, and using that gifting and serving the church over the past six years. It's been been great.
0: And how exactly did you find yourself in this position?
1: So uh, my wife and I uh, joined this church, uh, Pernod Road, in 2012. And I served on the worship team, played bass uh, occasionally. At that time, we were playing music on the road, and we were traveling a lot, um, and were gone a lot of weekends. So while we were in town, um, and as needed, I would fill in on base Mm. underneath the leadership of the former worship pastor Um, and so just serving the church that way and as we kind of plugged into the church and the Lord started working on on our hearts and sort of changing direction of our life the previous worship pastor was he moved on to uh, other things and um, I was asked to fill in as interim and at that point I had never really led worship before so I had to sort of learn on the fly. The musical aspect is a piece of cake to me. I mean, I just always play music, so that's not that difficult. But as far as leading a congregation, you know, leading worship, that was something that was sort of intimidating and different that I've had to learn um, and, and grown to really just it's to be a joy. And so that's, that's, that's history, I guess, and that's gotcha. where we've been. So no longer interim, uh, been serving over uh, six years now.
0: So today, seeing that you do have a lot of experience with worship, we'll actually be discussing the question of what is worship, why do we do it, what is it for, and why does it kind of matter and how should we do that? Okay. I guess the first question, what did you find challenging about switching from just playing music to doing it on a worship level?
1: So there's a couple different things. One, is sort of more practical and the other is kind of more like spiritual. So mm-hmm. I'll start with the practical. The practical is the difference between performing and, and leading was an adjustment for me where so so when you're performing, I mean you're you're really you're putting on a show. You have really more freedom to be more expressive and stylistic in your yeah. in the way and for example, in the way in which you sing. Like, I'm a fan of country music, I'm a fan of Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson, and I like blues and roots style musics that that are really stylistic, mm-hmm. and so, for example, like phrasing. I'm a big fan of playing with phrasing and singing off the beat and things like that, um, you can't do that when you're leading worship because you've got a room full of people that are trying to follow you.
0: Right, and if you change up, then they're like, okay, where are we at now? How do we come back in? Yeah,
1: so if I start doing too much ad-libbing or tweaking the melody or, or singing ahead or behind the beat, uh, while it might be cool you know, as an artist, it might mm. be cool musically, it's not going to serve the congregation. It's going to cause everyone to stumble. and So little things like that, um different. Something that was really actually kind of funny. Honestly, one of the hardest things that I had to fight when I first started was the impulse to say thank you after a song. Like that sounds like really cheesy.
0: I actually came back to doing music after like not doing it for two years at all collegiate ministry. And then I was like, thank you guys. And I was like, why did I just say that?
1: So like, yeah, it's just a habit. song's over. And especially if there's any applause or anything like that. It's, it was natural it something I had been doing for years just saying All right, thank y'all and that was just not doing that just was the hardest thing to get over so that's sort of the mm-hmm. practical stuff and spiritually is just the weight of knowing that you are putting prayers in people's mouths so when you're choosing songs when you're leading prayers and doing these things like I am personally affecting the spiritual relationship of you know, three to four hundred people, you know, I'm getting in the middle of their relationship with the Lord, with the songs I choose to sing. Yeah. I'm affecting how they pray, you know, affecting what they believe about God. You know, I am affecting how they deal with mourning and suffering. All these really big things that I am responsible for now. Mm. And that, that's, a, that's a tough sort of spiritual thing to, to not really, you never really get over that. I mean, it's, a, it's an important weight to understand and carry and responsibility so it's not like you get over that um, but I guess I've learned to how to understand it and how to, yeah. and how to steward it and not be freaked out by it but to hold it with respect and and really as a as an, an honor and a gift mm-hmm. and so that's that's been a that's a, obviously something you don't have to deal with as a performer you, yeah. know, that you do as a, as a worship leader so
0: mm-hmm. as someone who's leading worship you're affecting people's outlook on things that do affect them also spiritually. With that in mind, like how are you careful to store that?
1: So I think I think we really need to sort of back up and ask what is the purpose of let's say with singing and music in mm-hmm. church, you know? So we we, we have in today this kind of church culture, we have we've sort of conflated the word music and worship. Where when you say, Alright, we're gonna have some worship now, what you mean is we're gonna have some music. Yeah. And I think it's a problem. Um, and that's something that I sought to correct in our church's thinking when I came on staff, is to sort of fight against that. Because really, just worship is, is really just acknowledging the worth. Mm-hmm. You know, That's where that word comes from, the worth the worthiness of someone, right? We're acknowledging the worthiness of God and responding to His glory, right? And we, we do that in singing. We do that in just trusting Him with our lives. Mm-hmm. Offering the, our work and our vocations, all these things are, are worship, and so so music it just plays into that. Um, And as an aspect of that, and when we come into the church worship service, you know, there's Mm -hmm. something special about gathered corporate worship where, you know, it's different than worshiping God with your career, right? Mm -hmm. Gathering with the church and for prayers and for singing and, you know, receiving this, the Lord's Supper and sermons and all this stuff is more explicitly worship, right? So what do we do to music? The Bible tells us to sing, right? Mm -hmm. So we do it because the Bible tells me so, right? But... One thing that, that's, that's kind of shocking to people when I say this is that there is nowhere in the Bible, there is no role for a worship leader.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The Bible doesn't say anything about a worship leader.
0: Yeah.
1: So that should tell us something about music and worship music, mm-hmm. okay, that it doesn't exist on its own. It's not its own thing like, like uh, preaching is or something like that. It's not a thing. It, it's, it falls under something else. Yeah. And, and I think of it as falling under the ministry of the word, the ministry of the word, ministry of scripture. So Colossians 3, um, 16 tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's telling us that how do we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly? It's by singing. So singing is a function of the Word. It, it helps the Word of Christ, the, the Gospel, the Scriptures, it helps it to get inside of us. Yeah. I've heard many people say it this way, that it it connects what we know in our minds, like the doctrines of the faith, who mm-hmm. Jesus is, what he's done for us. Right? It connects what we know with our minds with what we feel in our hearts. Yeah. Singing does that. So it's sort of a, a ministry of the Word to build up and encourage the body of believers. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of it. Okay? So if that's the purpose of singing, this is getting to your question now. So why mm-hmm. is it important that um, what we sing and things are, are true? And mm-hmm. Because it is building people up. It's teaching people. Yeah. Right. The scripture says that singing is, is a ministry of the word and teaching. So our songs need to be able to teach.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and to s- be able to do that accurately with true truth, yeah. not relevant truth.
1: Right, yeah. With, yeah so we, we obviously don't want to teach falsehood. Right. So we don't we definitely don't want to be singing songs that are false. But there's another level to that as well. It's like that just just singing songs that are not false right. isn't good enough. We want songs that enable the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Mm-hmm. Like that word richly, that's like Paul's favorite word for when something is like supreme. Mm-hmm. It's like something that he can't describe the, the quantity of it it is something that's this riches we have the riches of the grace of God the riches of his glory and we let the, the word of Christ dwell in us richly so we want songs that are able to do that that are that really magnify Christ make him known and make him known explicitly and what he who he is what he's done what he's continuing to do right so we don't want just feel good songs mm-hmm. even if they are true right yeah but they're not teaching; mm-hmm. they're not allowing the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Yeah, um, in my opinion, that's a waste of time because we've only got you know 52 Sundays a year. Mm-hmm. You know, so what's that 52, 52 hours. You know, if it's a one-hour time, and we don't even have that much time to sing, so you're looking at 20 hours a week. I mean, a year. We we want to make the most of that time, yeah. right? And so that's why it's important that um, what we sing is not only true but is this powerful Mm -hmm. this this beautifully written Mm -hmm. um and that is compelling and that that stirs your heart and stirs your heart to worship based upon truth and not based upon chord progressions and Mm -hmm. melodies and cool synth sounds yeah right and so we we want people to be built up and stirred by the truth Mm -hmm. and not by our tools that we have as musicians yeah does that make sense yes yeah
0: and also like not wanting it to only be this emotional experience for them, but something that is founded in scriptural.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a lot of people might might criticize some more contemporary worship practices about appealing to emotion. And I'm not against appealing to emotion, but I want to appeal to emotion with the truth of Scripture mm-hmm. and with the truth of the Gospel, right? I don't and it's something that's tough that you have to always check yourself with as a worship leader, as a musician, is I know how to manipulate people with music.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I know how to get a response out of people. I mean, that's what you do when you perform.
0: Right. You know uh, how to control. Am I kind of backing out right now to make this more emotional and soft, or am I, like, leading in with this power?
1: Absolutely. I, I, I know how to make people clap. I can do that physiologically with music. And so my job as a pastor is to steward that ability. And, mm-hmm. and I think that is a God-given thing, um, that God has created us to respond in that way. So my job as a pastor is to couple that with the truths of Scripture mm-hmm. so that we have learn that these this, this truth here is what is ultimately glorious and I need to respond mm-hmm. to. So I'm not totally against using that kind of stuff, techniques. I, I do want to be really s- slow to use that kind of stuff and sparing yeah. Because I, I mainly, I really want people to be moved by, by the message. Mm-hmm. But there's also the teaching aspect where I, I, my job as a pastor is to teach people that they should be moved. Mm-hmm. Like there's times where like I'm in worship and I, I know this is glorious and true, but, and I should be feeling that way, but I'm not, right? Mm-hmm. So my job as a pastor is to teach people that you should be feeling this way. Yeah. about that you know so when we sing a song about the resurrection and we know this should be something that we should be like excited about right mm-hmm. but there's times where I'm not excited about that but if I'm doing my job as a pastor and you know writing liturgy I should be teaching you that you should feel this way
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then we're gonna practice it until you do feel this way
0: a question I want to bring up kind of just from my personal experience I used to lead worship with old college ministry on campus and i remember having a conversation with a couple other people who were involved with worship about, you know, the songs you we were singing and why we were singing them, and also how they could be perceived. Yeah. Um, and I know the huge one is like reckless love. You have yeah. that line of oh, the overwhelming, never-ending reckless love of God. And you know there were some people arguing, well, that's how we, that's how we as humans perceive God's love is that it is reckless, that it is something that is, you know, something that we don't understand, which is. Like that's accurate. That's how we as humans feel about that. However, when we look into scripture, we don't see God described as reckless. We see him as sovereign. We see him as just, as righteous, as all-knowing, meaning he knows his plans. So when you have songs like that, how do you look at that?
1: So when it comes to that song, and and let's just use that song as like a case study, 90% of that song is unquestionably true. Right, the title of the song is false. Mm-hmm. Um, objectively, so, and see, our pro- our culture has become so subjective. So we've so swallowed the pill of postmodernism that we get to import meaning into words, and that's not how God's world works, right? Yeah, words have meaning. Mm-hmm. Truth mm-hmm. is a thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, and there is a truth. You know, Jesus says, "Sanctify them in the truth, mm-hmm. not a truth. The truth, right? I am the truth." Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the word reckless means you know, um, without caution. It means careless. And so, that's not God. It's the opposite of God, mm-hmm. right? It's really impossible for God to be reckless because He's omniscient. Mm-hmm. You know, He knows everything. Right. And so, He can't be reckless. And see, we have such an anemic view of God that uh, we don't even think about that. Mm-hmm. You know that. We don't think highly enough of God that we could think it's impossible for him to be reckless because he knows everything. He can, he can, it's impossible for him to do something without knowing the cons- the, the outcome or right. the consequence because he knows the, he's declared the end from the beginning, is what he says in, mm-hmm. in Isaiah. Um, and so it's impossible for him to be reckless. So, right on its face, it's false. And there's, and, and sort of a practical way, is there's a million. Good songs to choose from mm-hmm. today, like we have more worship songs to choose from than ever before in church history. I don't have to choose that song that's going to cause problems for people mm-hmm. even even if we want to give it a benefit of the doubt and say, um, you know we there's a way in which we can understand this song that is true, but I just don't have to do that. I don't right. when I've got so many other songs to choose from mm-hmm. that are just as good or better, right.
0: And not um, only that, but, like, they also are pulling directly from Scripture. Like, we have um, Shane and Shane. They have a whole entire album based on the Psalms. Yeah. So it's, like, directly yeah. from so, the Word of God. Yeah. So
1: there's so many songs that I don't have to give a caveat for. Mm-hmm. I don't have to say, well, it says this, but we can't think about it that way. We need to think about it this way. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to have to do that. Yeah. And I, if I don't want to cause confusion for people, truth is, is got to be your first priority. Yeah. It's it's gotta be your first priority, and because we're praising God. Here here's an example I use. Doesn't matter how I feel. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. I can be so so genuine and so uh, what's the word I'm trying to authentic. All these words people like to use in my praise of God by singing that song. I Mm -hmm. can I can be feeling it, like meaning it, right. But if I went to my wife and i said uh kaylin i just love your beauty you're mm-hmm. so beautiful um your blonde hair is amazing right i love your blonde hair and your blue eyes they just pierce right through me right and i said that with all my heart and affect and just passion right with tears on my face if you know my wife she would not be pleased by that worship by that praise right Because she doesn't have blonde hair. She doesn't have blue eyes. She has brown hair and brown eyes, right? And so I've just insulted her Mm -hmm. with my well-intentioned praise because that reveals that I don't even know her.
0: Right.
1: And so when I try to praise God by saying, God, you're so reckless. Your love is reckless. God's like, you don't even know me.
0: Yeah. That's a really good example of that. Right? Yeah.
1: And so so truth has to be our first priority because we're Mm -hmm. approaching God. We're, We're describing God. We are praying to him. Mm-hmm. and, and we, we have to honor him for who he is yeah. right And it doesn't matter and that's another thing it doesn't matter how much passion I have in the delivery of that wine mm-hmm. if it's not true.
0: Yeah going off of that and also the purpose of worship that you've given us that it is you know, to praise God to make to kind of utilize his world to give it back to him. Yeah This is a metal thing I struggled with in that experience with this song reckless this specifically but and i don't know if this would be an accurate thing so please tell me if it's not but as we're using the word to worship god and if it's worship is an extension of the world of god then can we also use that to evangelize and to minister to people
1: um uh, uh, yeah of course mm-hmm. um so we read the Psalms. It says, the, declare my name, sing my praise in the, in the congregation. In the midst right. of the congregation. It's meant to be a, a witness to the world. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. The worship of God's people is meant to be a witness to the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, our worship services on Sunday morning, the Lord's Day, is not aimed at unbelievers. Right. It's not for the purpose of evangelism. Um, it's for the purpose of building up and encouraging the church. Right. But there, a, a secondary sort of mm-hmm. thing there is an awareness that that there are probably unbelievers present right right and and then also just throughout just your everyday life you know just kind of being part of the church and mm-hmm. and, and just sort of existing especially in, in this, this culture I guess just sort of existing as the church it among you know the world you know in the world yeah, so it's always there always is gonna be a bit of a evangelistic yeah. aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: The reason why I keep going back to it is because this is a song that kinda hit me for the first time of why we need to be so careful about what it is. Well, singing or saying to believers because we don't want to be leading someone astray from the truth if they're pursuing the truth. And then also in my mindset especially as a college ministry at that point which was focusing on bringing unbelievers into the church mm-hmm. right. and my f- feel and concern was that i would not be able to give them that caveat of when i say reckless yeah. this is what i mean
1: when i say reckless i don't really mean reckless right <laughs> just, and it's yeah. like
0: well it's like well, why did you just think yeah, that yeah, then yeah. and then if you can't give them that caveat then you just kind of push them away from knowing who god is and even for a believer you just push them away from knowing who God is and yeah. giving them that clear image of who he is. Yeah. And even in, what's the song that we sing that we change one of the lyrics to? Uh, what a Beautiful Name. Is it that one? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I forgot
1: about that. Yeah. Because
0: the original lyric-
1: You didn't want heaven without us.
0: Yes. Well, as and while that makes us feel good, it's like, yes, God wants us in reality. God doesn't need us yeah. at all to be completely sustained in himself. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so that is that is another one where mm-hmm. there is a sense in which that is absolutely true.
0: Mm-hmm. God
1: didn't desire heaven without us. If he did desire heaven without us, he He wouldn't have created us, right. right? So there's a sense in which that's true. But the way that's interpreted in our sort of self-esteem society is mm-hmm. that, ah, oh, God needs us to be happy. Yeah. Which actually, God has existed for eternity without us. Mm-hmm. And he was perfectly happy no lack in himself Mm -hmm. so he his desire to create is an overflow of his happiness not the result of a a deficiency so jonathan edwards is really beautifully describes this as god's creative uh action is the result of an overflow of happiness and contentment Mm -hmm. not the result of a lack of happiness and discontentment Mm -hmm. god didn't just wasn't just lonely one day and decided to to create us and then redeem us, right? Because we made some mistakes. Yeah. Um, So there's a a way in which that is true, as I said, but the way most people interpret that is is not helpful. And and here's the thing, this is from a practical side as a worship leader. I resisted doing that song for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So when it was popular and on the radio, by the time you turned it on, we weren't doing it. And I decided to do that song because we started a sermon series in the Gospel of John, mm-hmm. and that first verse of that song is a beautiful, just musical version of the prologue of John. You were the word in the beginning, one with God, you know, yeah. most high. And so I wanted to sing that because that's a great first verse. It's, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. And the rest of the song is great. Just that one line is just, eh, you know? So I, I resisted doing that song for at least a couple years, and then I did tweak that, that line um, to... Um, we couldn't reach heaven without you. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a God-centered perspective. It's like our, it's still acknowledging sort of our. It's, it's more of a confession, really. We couldn't reach heaven without you, so uh, Jesus, you brought heaven down.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, you know, and so that's that's really the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's not that you know we're so good, but we make a few mistakes, and but God still really wants us and needs us. Um, so He sent Jesus down to show us how special we really are. Mm-hmm. That's sort of this American gospel that's, that's this really couldn't be further from this biblical truth. The biblical truth is it is impossible for us to reach heaven. It's impossible right. for us to have fellowship with God because we are rebels who love our sin mm-hmm. and, and would mm-hmm. rather rather uh, worship that which is created than, rather than the creator, right? So mm-hmm. it's impossible for us to reach. We're hopeless. We're hopeless. Not, we haven't Not just made a few bad mistakes. Uh, a few bad choices, but we've been in, in open, high-fisted, high-handed rebellion mm-hmm. against God. Yet he still brought heaven down, right? Mm-hmm. And and because of his great mercy and yeah. his grace. That's the biblical gospel, mm-hmm. right? Super subtle difference, but when you think about the implications of it, it's no longer subtle. It's massive. Right. It's another gospel. So, yeah, that's where man... If you're responsible for choosing songs that people are going to sing, God's going to hold you accountable to that. Yeah. Um, and and just because it's on the radio, just because a lot of other people are playing it, just because the other ninety-eight percent of it is solid, right? There's other songs that you can choose.
0: And even but like even when you're saying you know like if a song is ninety percent true, then why do we still use it? Yeah. Um, and if we believe as Christians as people of God that we ought to die to our sin completely and to give our lives to Him completely. Yeah. That means one hundred percent. It's not a ninety percent thing where it's like, okay, well, I'm good most of the time so I can give this lie or I can okay. go and steal this thing. It's no, you are committed to following God faithfully. Yeah. And if that's truly what we believe, then that should also pull out into what we're singing into what it is that we're professing on a Sunday, whether that's on a stage or even in the pew as someone who's joining someone or joining the worship leader, is what we are singing one hundred percent true and creating all to God. Yeah. Or is it ninety percent true but still leaving that room for all self and for all selfish nature to look at us?
1: That's right. Yeah, God's, God's purpose in redemption is to leave no room for human boasting. Mm-hmm. To leave no room. You know, we see that in, in, in 1 Corinthians 1 and Ephesians 2. Uh, God specifically ordained redemption in such a way that there's no human boasting before Him. Right. So that literally all glory goes to Him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's our worship services should reflect that.
0: Absolutely. So kind of the last question is as we've talked about worship music especially in the context of the church and also just christian function in general whether that's collegiate ministry designed for outreach or church services designed for the strengthening of the body just kind of goes into more so personal discipline rather than corporate discipline Hmm. um psychical music how does it fit into a christian's life and is it something that we should participate in or not Um, And also, just to kind of define it really really quick, secularism is essentially something that's not founded in faith.
1: Yeah. Yes. I think it it depends on how far you take the word secular. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We can't receive secular music as secular. Mm -hmm. I know that's going to sound contradictory, but as Christians, we can't receive it as secular. The person who created it might... Considered secular, but we know better. Mm-hmm. We know that really secularism is a myth,
0: right?
1: Right? It's mm-hmm. it's not true. Um, that so when a secularist, when an unbeliever creates something that's good, beautiful, and true, we as Christians can acknowledge that that is good, beautiful, and true, and it comes from a creator who is good, beautiful, and true.
0: Yes. Even
1: though they deny that, that they suppress that truth. Um, we can see it and we can give God glory for it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of the measurement for receiving anything, really, that God gives us. Any, anything to be received is to be received with thanksgiving and to be received if it's good, beautiful, and true. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's good music and it's beautiful and it's true, then yeah. receive it with thanksgiving. Give God credit and glory for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like... Um, I got a good friend uh, named Mo Pitney. Look him up, country singer. Um, he is um, fantastic. Gosh, like radio should be playing his music like crazy. Um, he's on Curb Records, and he does such a great job. I've got so much respect for how he carries himself as a believer mm-hmm. in a in a very uh, an industry that is very not Christian. Uh, we like to claim Christ, you know, what's that Florida Georgia line garbage where it talks about, uh, talks about you know, baptism and all this kind of stuff, but at the same time it's glorifying lust and all this stuff, sort of stuff. There's sort of this, we want to be Christian and name only sort of thing, but, but, but Mo carries himself in such a great way. Um, and his songs are that, they're good, they're beautiful, they're true. They, they celebrate the beauty of life mm-hmm. um, and love. And, and the reality of suffering and heartbreak and these sorts of things that are true and um, but it does it in a, in a way in which he is assuming a Christian worldview underneath it. He's not explicit with it in his music, some of the songs are, um, but he sees the world mm-hmm. the way a Christians should see the world and he describes that world in his music. So I listen to Mo's music and and I, I, I am, uh, I am moved and to worship yeah. God through it. You know, another one I think of is um, Andrew Peterson. So he's really good at this. You know, um, his music and his his novels and things like that. They aren't not all of them are explicitly Christian, mm-hmm. um, but they're good. They're beautiful. They're true, and they they present the world artistically that God has created. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think it has to be explicitly Christian to mm-hmm. be received um, at, by a Christian, um, yeah. not at all. Now, mm-hmm. when a lot of people think of secular music, then you start getting into music that is it, not good, beautiful, and true. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: and then you know, and then that I think it should just be it be rejected.
0: Um, yeah, because there are some things that you know we can't explicitly see if it has you know words in it that are defiling. Like. Sure then we should not be listening to it. If right. it's lustful, you that's should right. not be listening to it. If it's pulling you away from God, then torn away from it and uh, <laughs> go away from yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, but I think that's a very good explanation of why we can still have that. Yeah. Um,
1: so here's a, let, me, let me give you an example. Um, there's this Bluegrass song um, that I used to sing all the time. And, we used to be, and it's written by one of my favorite songwriters, Harley Allen. Um, It's called Stray Dogs and Alley Cats. Mm -hmm. And the song is about this guy who's sort of rough around the edges. You know, he hangs out in the pool hall. He's kind of an outcast. But he says, um, um, too bad for heaven, but too good for hell. Um, But little wings are better than big tails. Um, I don't expect to sit at God's right hand, but maybe I could empty heaven's garbage cans. Mm -hmm. Um, hope there's room on those gold chores for straight out uh, yeah for stray dogs sorry hope there's room on those gold streets for stray dogs and alley cats like me Mm -hmm. I used to love that song and think it's like oh man I can relate to that like I'm not too I'm not so bad I don't deserve hell but but I'm not um, too good I don't really deserve heaven either but can I just be like a stray dog in heaven Mm -hmm. And, and and now that I have a better understanding of the gospel, I say, like, that's so bad. That's so false because
0: yeah.
1: none of us are too good for hell.
0: Right. Like, all of us are completely dissolving
1: Absolutely. It. And the scandal of the gospel is that none of us are too bad for heaven. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that it's not our righteousness um, that makes us acceptable by God and gives us a place in heaven. It's Jesus' righteousness in our place. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so now I think about that song and I was like man that just I don't enjoy that song like I used to and now I almost use that song as an apologetic you know as a way to get people thinking because Mm -hmm. you know so so many of us think we are Christians but that is our understanding that it's moralism
0: yeah
1: it's moralism and so that's a way that's a secular song you Mm -hmm. know but a lot of people would sort of consider that a gospel song because it talks about heaven
0: right right
1: (laughs) um what I want to emphasize is that as Christians, we can never take off our Christian lenses. Mm-hmm. We have to see the whole world through the view of Christ. It's all of Christ for all of life. And so even songs that I used to love and think were just, man, it's such a good song, such a good country song. Um, but I can't not see it through the lens of the gospel anymore. And now, yeah. rather say, I still think it's a good song as far as the way it's written and mm-hmm. things like that, but it's not true. Yeah, and and actually, it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous because it's preaching a gospel of moralism, mm-hmm. and not the true gospel of Jesus. And that's just as dangerous as Cardi B. Yeah, and that's shocking to people, but that's the reality. Any anything but the true gospel is deadly.
0: Yeah, so, and in a lot of ways, songs that are more kind of <laughs> not hidden because a Christian can see it, but it if it's not as explicitly there, they can almost be more dangerous because they come into your minds more because we're more tempted to continue listening to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a good point too, sort of the power of music to
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, to, to wedge into your soul. Like, yeah. And that's what I say when we first started this conversation about it takes what we know in our head and sinks it down in our heart,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, all of us have songs that have hidden yeah. s- bad sinful truths in our hearts mm-hmm. and it's hard to get rid of. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean... Um, something that our torch did last year was scriptural memorization songs. If you want a way to memorize scripture and hide the word of God in your heart, the music's a great way to do it because we are prone as humans just to remember melodies and to remember everything Um, that music has to offer. So whenever we combine that with God, that's a beautiful way that we can take something to just encourage us and strengthen our faith. But it's also a very dangerous way that we can but misrepresent in truth yeah um i'm going to ask you to just pray us out that we would be careful about what it is we're listening to but also that whenever we do come to worship god that it would be worshiping him in truth that we'd be worshiping who he is and focusing on him rather than ourselves so yeah
1: sure so um, god thank you for this conversation thank you for um emily and the topic that she has brought um, forward to discuss today and um, i pray that you uh, will make it fruitful Um, i pray that you would um, give your people um, a gift of discernment um, to be able to discern uh, what is true based upon the objective standard of your word Um, and that we would be driven by that truth and that we would love it um, and that we would really sense falsehood and be aware of falsehood because of a, of a lack in it. Um, that we would, we, would, we would taste it and realize that it is deficient and lacking um, and that we would crave uh, greater truth. God, we pray that you would, uh, as Jesus prayed for us, that, that we would be sanctified in the truth. And your word is truth. Um, so would you make your people um, holy. May they reflect your glory and may your, your, your worthiness um, be seen through the worship of your people, um, that your utter uniqueness, there's no one like you, um, that that would be on display, and that our hearts would be moved to worship, and that we would surrender um, to you, um, that we would receive the fullness of life, um, now and eternal life to come. Um, so thank you again, and we pray that you uh, bless our work uh, for your glory in Jesus' name, amen.